Hello and welcome to the ND Superstars podcast with me, Mike Bedford. Please rate our podcast, share it, like it, comment, get engaged, get involved. This is a conversation for anyone with any interest in the space of neurodiversity and neuroinclusion in the workspace. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Be Brilliant People podcast with me, your host, Mike Bedford. Uh, Yeah, and I'm really delighted today to be joined by Nathan Whitbread. Hi, Nathan. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. No, it's fantastic. I'm really, uh, really delighted that we're able to finally get this together and and shoot this podcast. It's been a while coming, hasn't it? Feels like it. I was just saying to you just before we started, I think we talked about this before you even started doing podcasts, so... It's great to finally get on the air and have a conversation. (laughs) Things can take a while to come to fruition sometimes. But you know what they say, Nathan, all the best things come to those that wait, right? Absolutely, Mike. (laughs) But (laughs) let me me just introduce uh, you to our listeners. So uh, the the whole theme of the the podcast uh, today and and, uh, why I invited Nathan um, along to, uh, to record this is around a, a subject that a lot of people will have seen quite a bit of um, on social media, particularly at the moment. It's kind of grown in terms of its prominence and stature, I think, and that's coaching and neurodiversity. Um, and as someone who's quite um, active in this space myself, I, I thought it was, it'd was be really good to kind of get a, another uh, perspective and bring on a, another professional uh, in this space to kind of talk about what that what that all means in terms of neurodiversity and then in terms of coaching and neurodiversity what are the some of the similarities and some of the differences between the typical neurotypical sort of style of coaching and then coaching with neurodivergent uh, clients um so uh, i'm sure we'll get into that and a lot more in 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 this uh, conversation today i've already said to to nathan and, and i'll say this of all, all guests and you know listeners will appreciate this listeners you're the fly on the walls and, and me and Nathan are just having a chat between each other. And for me, that's how our great conversation should always feel like. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Hi, Nathan. And welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Yeah. Thanks so much, Mike. It's uh, great to be here. So where do we go from here? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what. What you can do is you can just tell us a little bit for the benefit of our flies on the wall, our listeners. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about who's Nathan Whitbread. Who are you? What do you do? And what, what do you bring to this whole a unique space of neurodiversity. Uh, good question. Good question. Well, so I, I'm a coach. Uh, I was born in North London. I don't know why I'm saying that, but it feels really relevant because there's a bit of different of accents here, and that's I think that's important as well. Actually, yeah. that we start from different spaces and we have very different life experiences based on who brought us up, where we lived, mm-hmm. who we went to school with, the first job we went to and mm-hmm. uh, some of the spaces we've operated. Um, for me, I've been on quite an interesting journey in terms of employment and life. You know, I started off in the 
way back working for Ericsson and then worked in the banking sector. I got involved in the dot-com boom. So I worked for Cisco during quite some of the formative years of sort of IP telephony and things like that. And then moved out of that to work in the charity sector for a little while. It was kind of my quarter-life crisis um, before <laughs> snaking my way out of London. We'll explore that. <laughs> yeah, we could go for that. Snaking my way out of London up to sunny sunny Cambridge. So we, yeah. we re relocated here about well, about 12, maybe 13 years ago now. Okay. In fact, I've been saying it's 12 years for a long time, so I don't know, but I think it's about that sort of time. You're hanging, you're hanging your hat on that one. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And and that was the journey. That was the interesting journey for me because my wife actually moved with work, and so we I came up here and effectively... I guess started again and that that was the sort of point of discovery for me of um okay realizing that there maybe i thought a little bit differently and as a result mm. ended up with diagnosis etc of dyslexia which we can talk about a bit that's yeah. useful but that was a sort yeah, of yeah, beginning yeah. of our journey in terms of discovering what's all this neurodiversity stuff and what does yeah. what does it mean to be neurodivergent yeah and then from there it sort of rolled into this starting to work in the area as an assistive technology trainer interestingly at the start Okay. But the big penny that dropped for me was, you know, tools and stuff are kind of useful, but actually it's the core of human process that really matters. And mm -hmm. I'm a real big believer. We've got this core of process mm -hmm. and tools slot in and out. And, you know, I've from my time at Cisco, actually, I've, I've, I've always had this view. I'm technology agnostic in terms of I don't care who provides it and I'm quite happy to let it go or take it on. What's important mm -hmm. is that it solves a problem and let's stay focused mm -hmm. on the problem we're trying to solve and not get mm -hmm. distracted by the nice shiny things, which yeah. is challenging yeah. sometimes if you've got certain it, traits, you know? It, it, it really is. <laughs> it really is. Look style. And do you know what? There's a whole industry out there that plays to that nice and shiny. Yeah. <laughs> and then no, it really is. And that took me on this journey as well, just to sort of more into professionalizing as a coach. So I'd, I'd been actually working in this field, doing some coaching, um, I probably wouldn't recognize it or call it coaching at the time, but looking back, mm. that's what it was. But I felt really strongly that to do this work really well, we have to be professional because ultimately mm. when we're working one-on-one, -on -one, there are only ever two people in the room normally. Mm. So important that the professional person in the room is accountable mm -hmm. to someone who's got oversight yeah. and they're actively working on their practice to get better because we're all work yeah. in progress and yeah, yeah. we have an opportunity to do absolutely amazing stuff. We also have the opportunity to make complete pig's ear of things if we yeah. if we don't, if we're not accountable, we're not kind of working on our processes. So that's kind of, I know that's a bit of a potted issue. I'm happy to dig into any of that that's useful, Mike. But and that's kind of took me to standing in this room today at this standing desk. And so all the roads led to 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 me. <laughs> Which is great. I love it. I love it when roads lead to, to me. So. The life's done now, Mike. So where do I go from here? <laughs> it's, it's a bucket list item. Uh, <laughs> you, you made it, Nathan. You made it. Um, no, I'd, I'd really be interested to unpack a little bit, obviously, because a, a lot of the listeners to this uh, this podcast are going to be on the spectrum, um, and 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 also uh, there'll be listeners out there who aren't as well who are just curious and, and interested in this space as well. So I wonder if you might be happy to kind of share a little bit more about your journey um, into being into neuro, into being neurodivergent and your journey into actually discovering more about who you are and what that means. And then into the whole sphere of 
neurodiversity, which can be quite a, a complex area yeah. and subject in itself, can't it? Yeah. So the first thing I really want to say to anyone that's listening, that's maybe thinking they've got neurodivergent traits is regardless of what labels people try to stick on you, you are still the same brilliantly made person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we have to start with that and never lose sight of that. I Mm. absolutely fundamentally believe this stuff is all about lenses to look through and not labels to be worn. Mm. And why is that true? Because we are complete. We are good enough. We can knock the socks off of all sorts of spaces, but we have to own that because it's really, really yeah. important. And I feel in some ways that if you had to cut me down the middle, that's kind of why I do this job because I, re- I really believe, you know, if we can enable someone to get mm. insight into their own stuff so they can recognize they are enough to do what's in front of them, that's job done. Yeah. We can go home now. Yeah. Sort of thing. So, does that? I don't know if I've, I've gone off to a tangent. <laughs> Let me bring me back. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to cut the podcast there just right there. But <laughs> but no, it's yeah, it's it's interesting in in terms of obviously uh, what you were talking about there. That that so that the, the self discovery I, I think is 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 quite important, isn't it? As part of that yeah. journey, and then obviously working with a, a coach helps you to gain that insight that otherwise you might not get, and helps you to hold that mirror up to you. But I wonder more about your own yeah. journey, Nathan. Yeah, sure. Thinking, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of me, um, I start, you know, I think looking back can see throughout my school career, I had, there's a real difference between the person that you probably meet and talk to and and certainly the person you would meet if you if you read the work they wrote in the page, particularly Mm. when we were handwriting stuff. I mean, my own handwriting is illegible to the point I can't read it myself, (laughs) which is incredibly challenging. You know, it's really difficult. You know, I mean, I, I, I was smart enough to kind of blag it through GCSEs and completely crashed and burned at A-level. I mean, I think yeah. I literally got, I think, one G and two Us. And yeah. for someone, it was predicted three Bs. You know, I sort of think yeah. back to think, well, how the hell did that happen? And yeah. one of the things I've noted in my own life is there's been lots of people who were prepared to give me a leg up and not a handout when yeah. I needed it most. So for me, um, at school, I'll never forget my head of sick form turning around and saying, well, actually do you know what? It's been a huge mistake, but actually I can get you into the University of Hatfield on a foundation year to do engineering. And I ended up, as a result of that, Mike, sort of it, going to the university I wanted to go to in the first place, which was Surrey down in Guildford, which is fantastic. Yeah. But I, I didn't have any idea of what was going on at the time, um, mm-hmm. which was really challenging. I remember going to university and connecting with people and just being able... And what I found was that, reflecting back again, all right, I... I do struggle in some spaces, but I also know that I'm really good at connecting. I'm really good at mm. building relationships. And as a result, people want to work with me, which is nice, yeah. which means that, yeah. again, you get that kind of leg up, not hand out in terms of navigating that space and getting support where you least expect it, I guess, was probably my experience. Um, yeah. In terms of the neurodiversity really coming to the forefront, though, was was when we moved to Cambridge, I sort of made a decision. You know, I'd worked in sort of um, sales and business development for quite a few years in various guises. But I took, you know, I really would, I was really interested in getting more involved in marketing. Was fascinated by the subject, and I signed up to do a qualification with the Chartered Institute of Marketing here, in the typical gun ho fashion of that seems like a good idea. I'll get on with it. To then work out, it was going to be effectively a closed book essay style examination at the end. And for me, it just brought back all the things I spent my whole life avoiding and dodging and yeah. weaseling my way out of. To, and, and the recognition, actually, I need to do something about this now because I just can't blag it anymore. 
And that's mm-hmm. when I spoke to my better half, who just said, you know, actually, you need to think about this because you do think differently. There's no doubt about it. Is mm-hmm. it time to look at diagnosis? So I went mm-hmm. off and met this fantastic guy. Well, I say fantastic. This interesting guy in London who sort of took me through a diagnostic tool, etc. And I remember parts of it I could absolutely do with my eyes closed, like this sort of um, the spatial awareness stuff and things like that mm-hmm. off the scale mm-hmm. versus things like recall of and, and, and sort of short term memory were just somewhere near yeah. the floor and beyond. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, just hearing that about yourself is just like, okay, so this is this is interesting data. Kate, sort of age 35. Yeah. Uh, someone's yeah. finally got around to explain this to me. And I'll never forget yeah. the end of this kind of this kind of consultation. This guy said to me, he said, well, at least you're not thick. Oh, God. <laughs> and, it was, oh. It really, and it just and it just really struck me. Because he did say, he said, but some people really are thick as well as having some new shows. Yeah. I think, oh, okay, that sounds pretty disingenuous. But so I'm not thick, but there's still significant things to think about here. Yeah. And and I think for me, that really started that journey. There's a gap here. So how do Mm -hmm. I sort that out? And how do I make that that better? That's still ongoing. And I know we've spoken before on various online platforms and stuff about, you know, things like the sort of things you can use to bridge the gap. So for me, dictation has been an absolute Mm -hmm. game changer. And I mean, mm-hmm. not just learning how to use it, but really making it part of who I am. Yeah. That's being really cool. Starting to work and partner with others effectively again, especially as a small business yeah. owner, solopreneur. Yeah, yeah. It's been absolutely essential, you know, working out what I can do well and working out what yeah. I just need to shift out and trust someone else to do yeah. has made a massive yeah, yeah. difference. So that's kind yeah. of been the kind of the journey uh, that's sort of taken yeah. me here. But it is very much work in progress. And the, and the big challenge I find around this, Mike, as well is, I don't know if you find it, people want to call you an expert. And I just feel like, no, mm. I can't be an expert in this mm. space. It's too bloody complicated. Mm. So what what I would say is, a bit like my friend Jody Gear says, actually, you know, I know, I've worked with lots of people, lots of people. Yeah. It must be like four and a half thousand hours or something crazy like that. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I've got, well done. I've got I've got lots of snippets of experience of what other people are doing. I've got and I've got a bit of my own. So mm-hmm. I feel I've got enough tools to work out. I don't know it all, and I'm gutsy yeah. enough to give it a go. And let's get started with a conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's amazing. No, thank you. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> thanks for sharing. No, Pleasure. Questions, obviously. Um, it reminds me of a quote from Satya Nadella, um, the chief of Microsoft. Does that? Right, where he encourages all of his um, employees to be uh, learn it alls and not know it alls. Mm. I yeah. think that's that's a that's a great quote um, because ultimately we never are going to become the experts. We're always going to be on a quest for knowledge and to learn more, right? But yeah. just because I know a little bit about something doesn't make me an expert. I'm always going to be learning, and everybody, this what what I'm learning is more and more so is that every single person that you encounter in this space is is completely unique and has their own experience and has their own journey and has there is no kind of typical look of what something should be look act or feel like right because it's just yeah, too big a spectrum for that, for that to, to be the case um yeah. and i think the more I mean, that we learn about something and i guess this can probably apply to a lot of things the more you realize how much you don't know as well, I think that's probably some of my early reflections from getting into yeah. really getting into this this space as a professional. Yeah. Um, as well, I mean, if, if thank you for sharing your your story, um, Nathan, as well, 
with us. I think, you know, people listening to that, you know, can probably resonate with some of that as well. And I wonder when you received your, your diagnosis then, how, how did, there's two questions, two-part questions, if it's all right to do it in two parts. Go for it, go for it. There's, there's the kind of, how did it feel to receive that diagnosis? What, what, what was that feeling like? What, what, how could you describe that? Um, and then the second question to that, I guess the follow-up question is, how important do you feel a diagnosis is in this space to a person? Okay. So and how does it feel one is, is, is tricky because I think there's grief there. Mm, I think there's mm. grief there. And I know there was for me, and I, and if it's okay to talk much, I know there is for lots of people that I've worked with. Please, please. Genuine yeah. Genuine grief there because especially with later diagnosis, but also with young yeah. because we've got we've got four kids, I should say, and two of those have diagnosis of, of some sort. Um, yeah. I think there's grief there because it's like a recognition of why the hell has it been so hard and nobody bothered to tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some things have been incredibly hard and frustrating and mm. soul-destroyingly painful and nobody bothered to tell me. But I always mm. also believe we have a choice here. We have mm-hmm. a choice about what we do next. And that is the agency we've all been given while we're living and breathing. Yeah. And I think that's really important as well. We can, we can, we can, we can kind of close up and say, do you know what? It's been a hard deck and that's not fair. And I'm not going to put up with it. And I'm angry about mm-hmm. it. And, mm-hmm. or you can, or you can take the other view that says, well, that's a hard deck and that's not fair, but I'm going to make something different happen now because yeah. I've now got some more information about myself. So for me, there was definitely some grief there. Uh, but also it was like, well, actually, so there is something I can do about this. There's some, there's some, there is some help yeah. out there. And I think particularly as a male, actually, I think we all know sometimes it's tricky to ask for help when we feel less yeah. than. So yeah. that's been a bit yeah. of a journey as well in terms of saying, well, actually, you know, it's okay to ask for help and to want yeah. help. And also... Yeah. Something I've learned more recently that plays into this is also how we contract. And I'm, I'm a big fan of contracting. I know we talk about it in the coaching about end, <laughs> But I also think it's it's a life thing, yeah? Every time yeah. we communicate, we contract. We say, well, actually, Mike, yeah. you know, as we're having this conversation, yeah, can you remind me if I'm going off course? Because actually, I want to make sure yeah. we, we kind of do what we need to do. Um, you know, yeah. whatever it is, you know, I might need a bit of time to think about that. Can we yeah. leave that? That's not okay. That's all contracting, yeah. isn't it? And if we do that yeah, well yeah. and we have that focus, we can then enable ourselves to be our best and not kind of amplify the things that we find difficult, but instead amplify the things we're, yeah. we're good at and manage the things we find difficult. Um, is that yeah. all for the first yeah. part? <laughs> so I've even stayed on course. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 yeah, I think you're doing really well. I think you're doing really well. Um, and you realise you're asking to someone who isn't potentially the – always the best at navigating to kind of steer the course which can be an interesting journey uh, I, I might add but no um it's and it, that's 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 that self-awareness coming out there i think that you're able to kind of be able to just kind of be open about that as well isn't it and just be able to kind yeah. of say and say look you know the, this is where it might go and I appreciate if you kind of just say this and that's that contracting part coming into that then as well so what about the second yeah. The, the second bit, so, so, so I think diagnosis is really helpful if it gives you okay. access to money and resources that support you. Yeah. yeah. I think it's really, really helpful. Unpack that. Unpack that, Nathan. Unpack that for us. 
unpack that. So, so in terms of the workspace, particularly, because that's kind of where I work, although I feel mm. that the work sort of drifts off into all sorts of spaces, because as soon as you start talking about this stuff in a work context, the next thing that comes up is let's talk about my family. And I think yeah. you know, that's that's true. I don't know if you've experienced a similar sort of thing, Mike, but that mm. that feels like a conversation that's coming up quite regularly. So in terms mm -hmm. of work, we've got there's some great provision out there in terms of coaching we've talked about. There's assistive tech, there's services, there's virtual assistants, all this stuff that can be really useful. Mm -hmm. If your mm -hmm. employer can front that up and afford to pay for it, or you have enough money in your business mm -hmm. to do that, you can pay for it yourself. Or there's mm -hmm. also some brilliant schemes out there like access to work, which is kind mm -hmm. of, it's probably better known now, but certainly when I first engaged with it, it was kind of the government's biggest secret in terms yeah. of you know, what was there. And I think that can be really useful, but but you have to, I think there's a space within that to ask the right questions about what can be useful. And what I'm trying to say here is mm -hmm. there are lots of people in that system that want to support people, but there mm -hmm. are pressures on that system because, for example, with the assessments, there's a pressure to do it in a, in a certain period of time. And hence, sometimes not all areas are fully explored. So mm -hmm. The more homework you can do before you go into that space and knowing what's going to be yeah. useful for you, the better conversation you can have. And I think we've already touched on this around virtual assistants, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, lots of people don't even know it's an option. And if and yeah. it's like that classic thing, unless you ask, you don't get. So you've got to know yeah. what to ask. So yeah. I think there's, you know, there's a really big argument here about supporting people to ask and if i mean it's okay to plug it mark i've written a little free book on this if people are interested yeah please give you the show notes yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah we'll put the link yeah. in the show notes yeah sure i mean just as a complete caveat you know i've tied it to to a mailing list that's all about um supporting people to to learn more about the university if you you know you can obviously sign up for that and then you can you can yeah. you can unsubscribe straight away if you don't want to stay with it that's no tie in there but that's just kind of the way it's done but yeah, yeah, feel free. It'd be great if anyone's got any comments on that. But yeah, but navigating this is really, really important um, and supporting mm -hmm. others to navigate it well, because I think there's also something about I th when we realize there is some help out there, there is a temptation just to grab the first thing that comes as opposed yeah. to spending a little bit more time going, well, what's actually most useful for me? Mm. Um, now, I know I've segued slightly away from the question, so let me come back to the question. So in terms of, in terms of like labeling, as I say, it's mm -hmm. useful for getting access to resources. I don't think it's useful as a way to communicate always with others. Okay. And what okay. I mean by that is, Mike, I mean, I know you shared, you've got you know, some ADHD traits slash diagnosis. I've shared a bit about dyslexia. But actually, if I tell you I've got dyslexia, that doesn't tell you mm -hmm. anything about me. In the mm -hmm. same way, if you tell me you've got ADHD, it, I mean, I've got some ideas of what it might be. Or if you told me yeah. you're autistic, I've got some ideas of what it yeah. might be. Those ideas might be yeah. completely incorrect or they might be spot yeah. on. But yeah. what I think is much more useful is to actually talk about what we need. And that might be yeah. as simple as, do you know what? Before we meet, I need an agenda up front and I need to know what yeah. you want from me. Otherwise, I'm going to yeah. be bricking it and unable to turn up authentically. Yeah. Um, yeah. It might be that I need a prompt <clears throat> to remind me where it's yeah. going to meet because yeah. I can't operate yeah. a calendar. Um, whatever yeah. it is, I mean, and these yeah. are just like out there examples. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't believe yeah. it's true, but I'm just sort of illustrating. So I think coming back to that contracting, being clear about what's useful and why we need it is much more helpful than telling people we've got these labels. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. think personally, especially when we get into the actual 
the workplace space because there's a lot of confusion about this area. And also, yes. I think particularly for managers, there's a lot of fear because they don't want to make yeah. the wrong decisions. They search, right. you know, I think, I think the whole purpose of a manager ultimately is to make their staff so good they take their job. And mm. you know, if, you if you start with that premise, they mm -hmm. are concerned genuinely about taking on eggshells, about making mistakes here. Mm -hmm. So how do we navigate mm -hmm. this well to support individuals who've got these traits to thrive and be their most effective at work? Does that answer yeah. the question? Like, I know it was a bit roundabout. It, yeah, no, I think, I think it's a lot of useful context for sure. And I don't know if you can 100% answer this question. Mm. Um, it's probably quite a slippery question to answer as well, isn't it? Um, and people will have different uh, different views and contexts on this as, as well. So we're by no means saying what's right and wrong. We're just giving our kind of thoughts yeah. on this as well. And I think there's, I picked up a great saying from uh, on LinkedIn that I shared um, that I, I can't take credit for, but um, it's that labels belong on, on can, tin, can goods, not people as well. And I think that's, like that's that, a, yeah. a, a, a great, a great saying um, as well. Whilst like yourself, I can definitely see the value in a diagnostic label that doesn't for any moment discount anyone's lived experience um, in terms of if, if you don't have a, a diagnosis or you don't indeed want to go or can't access or whatever it is, you know, um, your, your, your experience is equally as valid as someone with with a, a diagnosis in my opinion um I think you're right but yeah no yeah i mean this this just just this alone i think we could have an entire show just just around around that right but yeah you absolutely. Know, uh, and also you've got the whole you've got the whole thing of co-occurrence as well haven't you which comes into the you know because actually exactly and we know that that's the norm rather than the exception based on the research that's been carried out now so. we're now we're picking up aren't we so much more as, as we progress, we learn it. Again, it comes back to this point I was saying earlier about the more that you think you know, the more you discover that you don't know. And I think that's the same in this space. I think we're, we're scratching at the tip of the iceberg on, on, on this. And the human brain is such a complex thing that we don't really fully understand yeah. well, that much about our brain and what our brains are actually capable of doing, right? You know, so right. yes, yes. Now, I don't think I don't think neurodiversity or neuro, neurodivergence or ADHD or autism or it's not new. It's been around forever, but we're starting to kind of discover more about that and more of the the the, the, the divergences of the human brain now. But I, I do think, if I'm being absolutely honest, I think we 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 only really scratching at the surfaces, and it's going to continue to evolve, to shift, to change. The language will probably evolve and shift as we move forwards. As well, ultimately, what we'd well, I'd like to see, I don't know about you, Nathan, but is we get to a place where there's that acceptance of just people who just think differently and that might not necessarily equate to a label, then, you know, we can move past that kind of label kind of perspective and we just accept that we're all unique and all different and we've all got different strengths and we've all got different challenges as human beings and then we can work together to maximise the strengths and opportunities from that. I don't by any means proclaim that we're anywhere near that kind of stage, by the way, but that's kind of, I think, where the likes of us and, and others and, and people in this space who have, who have a platform and who are advocating for this would like to kind of move that forward towards. But that's, that's, a, big, that's a big journey. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of things that need to change before we get to that point, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the, particularly around the label stuff, 
what we have to be careful of as well is the box ticking exercises that mm. happen, mm. especially around some of the diversity space, because, you know, you get into positive discrimination and things like that. And I don't think that works either because it's just like, well, what, what's your real purpose here? The other thing mm. that just occurred to me, Mark, you know, when we're talking about co-occurrence, I've started mm. to think about it a bit like a sum. And what I mean yeah. by that is, you know, like you remember, I don't know if you remember when you were in school, but you know, you've got this idea, mm. you know, if 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 you 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 know, sort of this ADHD trait is maybe your 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 six, and then you've got a bit of autistic traits, maybe a, a six point two, and then you've got your dyslexic yeah. bit, which is four point three. You multiply it together, you get a completely different number. Exactly. And that's what it's like. Every individual's gonna have a completely different number. So although we know a little bit about the parts that make it up, we've got no idea yeah. where the, the big number's gonna go until we ask them. No, no. And that's the key, isn't it? Don't make assumptions. Ask mm. if you know, and that's that goes back to your point about particularly, you know, we're in the workplace um space about managers particularly having that kind of almost fear of the unknown. Um, and the only way to get past that fear is to ask questions, right? Don't make assumptions because you know what happens when you make assumptions, you make an ass of you and me, right? So what we yeah. want to do is, is avoid <laughs> that. That, that situation entirely and, and just work together. And that's, again, I, I've, co I've come to this point quite a bit when I talk in this space as well about don't assume that's just because someone's neurodivergent that they have all the answers either. Because, again, we are on a journey ourselves. And uh, like yourself, I was late to the party in terms of diagnosis. I wasn't diagnosed until my late, my, my late 30s uh, myself in, in terms of dyslexia and, and, and ADHD. Um, so I'd, I'd built up lots, lots of uh, different ways to kind of just get by. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say thrive. I'd say get get by um, and you know uh, experiment to kind of find out what worked and how I could fit in and what the kind of social norms and rules were that I kind of had to or thought I had to conform to 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 be a success, right? Uh, but actually, I think for me, um, if I if I answer my own question that I ask you. In terms of the, diagno the diagnosis, then I think for me it was, it was a bit of validation. I, I don't think it was a party popper moment. Uh, some people kind of say, you know, did it feel like you got a bit of a celebration or whatever afterwards? It was kind of no, it wasn't one of those let's go have a little bit of a party type moments. It was a little bit kind of, well, finally some of that crap actually starts to make sense now and get that v validity for actually I'm, I'm not really a failure. And, you know, a lot of the things that I gave myself a hard time for weren't really my fault. So it's that acceptance of, of that and, and actually recognising that out of this, you know, talking about accepting that you're in control of what happens next thing. Well, you know, I'm going to turn this ship around. I'm going to kind of turn it into a positive and utilise those strengths and go out there and make a difference. And that, that's kind of where my direction took me in terms of diagnosis. Otherwise, I'd probably be still working in, in, in a large corporate environment now as a kind of hr leader still trying to work out what the heck's going on inside of my head but i decided <laughs> that you know actually yeah this is well a better done, place Mike. to be. <laughs> well done, yeah so that's it's, it's interesting again isn't it how the similarities yet differences and the nuances of every single person's journey as well um but yeah it's a fascinating conversation absolutely fascinating but if you don't mind i'm going to kind of do a bit of a Aside, change lanes slightly and kind of go into oh. the into the, the coaching space now and try to kind of talk about coaching as well um, because coaching is, is something that has, has come to I'd say prominence in terms of this space um, over the last few years and we're seeing more and more 
people now start to kind of like brand themselves or, or launch themselves as coaches and this that, and the other. And, and we're seeing kind of much more, I guess, awareness and, and, and the reality that, you know, you talked about the different mechanisms that you can access through the likes of things like access to work, where you can access and work with a coach now where that's a lot more readily available and accessible to, to not everybody. Cause I'm not saying access to work is accessible for everybody. It's not, it's got clearly got, issues and challenges that need to be worked around but nevertheless it is a a system that's in place to support people if, if again like you said you kind of do your homework and you lean on others and get the support you ask around and make sure yeah. you know kind of what you're asking for but in terms of obviously then coaching what's your thoughts around kind of the the whole space at the moment the coaching is a what the heck how did you even get into becoming a coach and then b What's your thoughts around the kind of the coaching space? And you talked about professionalism. I think if I pick you pick up your quote earlier, yeah. professionalism yeah. in coaching. What then, in your view, makes a professional coach? So, if I was someone looking to work with someone, for example, through access to work, how do I make that decision of of what or who is a professional coach or not in this space? Where do you want me to start, Mark? Start with the first one, then. Tell us about kind of <laughs> coaching and how the heck did you get into the whole coaching That's- space and. So, so I ended up in the coaching space, which is probably not the fairy tale answer with Prince Charming that um, I was doing a bit of um, subcontracting work for an organization. And I'd been doing the assistive technology training and they had a coach, but the work was in London and the coach wouldn't travel. So mm-hmm. she gave me six hours telling me what she did. And then I went off to London and did some coaching. That's, <laughs> and I guess that was my start in the space, which which I'm not suggesting yeah. is a good route, by the way. But that's just the way I ended up. There. That's how it happened. Yeah, yeah, that's that was the reality. Um, and I think there's something about the coaching space, which is to do with you have to do the work to work out what mm. you need to do. You'll never mm. know what you're crap at or what you're great at until you start to do the work. Mm but you need to make it safe enough that you're not going to do any damage while you're working it out. So I think it's helpful Mm. to have a little bit of kind of what's okay and what's not okay. I think also where I started, I think what I was basically being asked to do was to mentor people, not to coach them. Actually, I was being asked to take tools and to take stuff and say, do you know what, Mike, I've got all these things, they're going to change your life, let's let's talk through why they're going to be brilliant, and then you can work out how to use them, as opposed yeah. to, Mike, what's the question that's burning away at you at the moment that we need to yeah. have a conversation about so that we can work yeah. out together how you can move forward? Yes. yes. So for me, that was the massive shift. The massive shift was, because actually, coaching is hard work, but I think Lots of coaches make it far harder than it needs to be because they think it's on them and it's not. It's on the thinker to move it forwards. You're just there. Two people having a conversation where one person's working really hard doing the thinking, the other person's working really hard noticing what what on earth's happening and helping them get insight Mm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that that's absolutely where I've shifted to, and that's been part of my journey. And and I'm not to say there isn't a space for mentoring. I think there is, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I think if we're going to do that, as a friend of mine, Claire Pedrick says change hats with permission be super 100 you know 100 if you're going to consult if you're going to cheerlead yeah. you just need to let people yeah. know and say actually that i'm comes back to the contracting i think doesn't it as yeah. well that you talk bingo about. yeah absolutely and we recontract as we go the contract it's not it's, i don't know if you've ever heard that sort of funny saying you know um <laughs> what is it uh the blokes a bloke, so a bloke, so um 
a woman says to, 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 her, to her husband, why do you never tell me you love me? And he says, well, I told you on the wedding day and nothing's changed. <laughs> and I think sometimes that's true in coaching, isn't it? We do the contracts of being, well, we've contracted, so nothing's changed. But actually, it changes yeah. all the time as we rework 100%. it out. So there's yeah. something about that. So, so that's yeah. kind of that bit. Now, where, where do we want to go next in terms of the professionalization? True. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, the, yeah. So, just for context, then there's, there's obviously the coaching space. There's, there's, there's a lot yeah. of, of, of people now and organizations selling coaching, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. Um, and 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 what you know for, for playing devil's advocate. So I'm just kind of Joe Bloggs out there who kind of is, is yeah, looking yeah. for support or, or trying to find a coach. Now, how do I where how do I know where to find a coach and how do I know that coach is going to be professional and what's that based on? What yeah. you know? So I'd say accreditation is good, hmm. um, but it's not. That's not the end. Uh, personally, mm-hmm. I like the. I mean, I've done. The ILM level seven. Yeah. Yeah. I've also started to credit with the ICF, and the reason for that was because yeah. I felt, or my impression was of the the ILM level seven. You just did the. It was kind of like an MOT. You did it, and it was over, and that was, that was the MOT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. As opposed to it being yeah. an ongoing sort of more of a service relationship, which I think you get with the ICF, yeah. where you do yeah. you qualify. But then there's this kind of idea. And I know it's not perfect, but you stay accredited. You've got CPD. Mm. You have ongoing supervision, that sort of thing. Mm. But that's not to say that either's better. That's my personal experience. Yeah, that's both yeah, my personal yeah. experience. I mean, I think yeah. they've both been good learning, but in different ways. Okay. So I think asking questions about, you know, is someone accredited is is good to know. But that is not the be all and end all. That's just part of the mix. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's something important about whether you connect with the person. Yes, chemistry. Do you actually like them? I mean, you don't have to like them, like them, but do you like them or do you trust them enough to work yeah. it out? Because yeah. we need people that are different. We need difference, and that's useful. Yeah. yeah. But we yeah. that that difference, but it's different enough for it to be helpful. Yeah. There's two different, so we don't have a clue what's going on. And there's two yeah. the same, so we're actually yeah. got a bit over friendly, and we're just like buddies rubbing up against each other. Yeah. So yeah. working out yeah. what level of difference is helpful for you to work it out, I think, is really helpful as well. Um, yeah. So for me, personally, as a coach, I find I work with a lot of females. Yeah. Which I think, which is difference. Um, yeah. And I, I yeah. don't know why that is, but that's just the way that the sort of business works out. Uh, yeah. But that seems to give a different kind of dynamic that allows the, them mm-hmm. to move forwards. Um, so I think that's quite interesting. I mean, I've, just as we're talking about that, I'm sort of thinking about that. Um, I don't specifically market to that market or anything like that, but that's just the way the work mm. seems to sit at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. I think also asking the question about supervision is really useful. So mm. who are you accountable mm. to? Yeah. When this goes horribly wrong, who are you going to call? And I think yeah. that's really useful, <laughs> actually. It's true, yeah. yeah. And also, what's your, what's your view around? I mean, and if you want to go a bit further, I think they just ask, you know, do you have a safeguarding policy? Do you have anything in place, you know? Because ethical framework. Exactly. So if you're signed up to one of the accredited bodies, they'll have an ethical framework. I mean, personally, I like to go mm-hmm. a bit above and beyond that because I think mm-hmm. it's really important to position that every time you have a conversation, or at least yeah. when you start an agreement, say, Do you know what? Everything stays between us unless yes. you yeah. we talk about something where you're in danger, someone else is in yeah. danger, or yeah. a third party may be at risk. And at that yeah. point, we need to work out what we do with it, yeah? Yes. And what we do next yeah. with it. And sometimes that's nothing because actually it's safe enough. 
but we yeah. need to talk about it and we need to agree now we can talk about it because it's like lots of things in life if you have the hard conversations like that up front it's really easy to yeah. then say i know you've mentioned that i'm just wondering if that's actually got some yeah. more serious implications for x yeah what do we need to do about that as opposed to if you bring it up out of the blue of course it's tricky so yeah i think having that sort of conversation is really really helpful yeah yeah I think also, depending on what you need, asking, you know, about lived experience can be useful. I don't think it's essential. Um, yeah. But for some people, they feel they need that. And that's about making it safe enough for them to do the work. As I say, yeah. I don't think it's essential. I think what's more important is that chemistry piece and, and the kind of the oversight piece. The other thing yeah. that I'd say is really important in this space is I'm an absolutely massive believer in single session coaching. And what yeah. I mean by that is that every session should count. Yeah. And what I've noticed sometimes is that mm -hmm. we as coaches, from our business model point of view, we'd love it if everyone signed up to 25 sessions. Yeah. Because we'd be paid, yeah. wouldn't we? And it'd be great. And we'd be all yeah. happy. And it'd just yeah. be all right. But that's yeah. not always the best thing for the thinker. No. So yes. actually coming at it from the point of view, it says actually when the work is done, it's done. So yeah. even if we've signed up for six and we've done one and it's finished, yeah, that's okay. We could give you a refund or whatever. But yeah. what's most important is that you've moved forwards because actually yes. this is a journey, isn't it? And yeah. as a coach, we should never ever be asking the people we work with to catch up with us. We should always be running after them and meeting yeah. them where they're at so then they can then work out where they need to move forward to next. So, And sometimes that's going to yeah. be, we've done yeah. what we need to do. Yeah. It's been lovely hanging out with you, Nathan. Hasta la vista. <laughs> and that's fine if that's Maybe. good for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, yeah. but, that, but that's really important because I think there's a danger that we can feel, particularly as coaches, it's all on us. Yeah. Yeah. And we can feel that we are the ones that are going to make stuff happen. But actually, the whole purpose of coaching is that people move forwards and they have to yes. do that themselves. Yeah. We can walk with them, we can do all our wonderful stuff in terms yeah. of being with them, but they have to do that. Yeah. When They've taken enough steps that we're no longer useful. We need to be really happy to step out and say, that's brilliant. You carry on going. We'll see you yeah. in another lifetime, maybe, or maybe, or whenever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. No, thank you. I think that's some really good reflections. I think you're right. Coaching is ultimately about serving the client's needs, isn't it? And the client's yeah. best interests, whatever that might be. It's not about serving your interests. Um yeah, no, it's interesting. But I wonder what under what your thoughts are then in terms of obviously I heard some say that coaching's a little bit like the Wild West out there in terms of uh, you know finding a is that, coach. Is that the lovely Judy Singer said that, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, but does, does she does she does she have a point in, in terms of in terms of that? And you know, how do you know if 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 you go into a space where there's so many people operating in that space uh, even though you've you mentioned yeah. about kind of i'm playing devil's advocate again here nathan but yeah, know. you know you've asked yeah, the, no, you've go. asked the, you've asked the questions you know uh, so on and so forth but how do you really um you know decide the quality of the person that you're going to work with is it just kind of the does it come down to actually do i get this good vibe this connection with this person and even though they might not have the the academic rigor, for example, but I know that this person can help me. Do I go with that rather than discounting that for going, actually, what I'm looking for here is someone who can really be able to prove that and be able to kind of show that accountability and that kind of academic rigor and display that and be able to show those qualifications or whatever? 
Or is it a mix of both? I don't know. Just playing devil's advocate. I like Where do you go with us? Right, so, so, so my honest advice is trust your gut. I think you have to trust yeah. your gut, Phil, and make sure you don't sign any silly contracts. I think it's probably okay. the, probably the yeah, two yeah. bits of advice I'd say there. But do trust your gut feel on it. I mean, we, we ultimately, coaching is a people business. If it yes. doesn't feel right, the chances are yeah. it's probably not right, however shiny yeah. the pamphlet is. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah, we no, probably. I, think, I, think I don't know if you've right. experienced that, but I know I have. You know where I've gone with something, I, and I've gone. This don't feel right, but the, the leaflet says it's going to be brilliant. So. It's, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the shiniest thing's not always the best, right? As well, it's, it comes down to human connection, chemistry, relationship. How how you're going to be able to? Because coaching is a relationship, isn't it? I think for me, yeah. um, and and with any relationship, you need to have that that kind of like that trust, that that connection that understanding and for me uh, to add to all these brilliant insights that you've shared there as well Nathan I think I would I would add the the, the real importance there of kind of having those those early chemistry conversations even before you kind of get into um, a coaching relationship start with a you know ask the coach can we have you know can we at least have a, a chemistry conversation first of all to kind of see what that feels like because ultimately, as human beings, we don't always rub along. It's just it's just a part and parcel of being human. It doesn't mean that you, like you said, you don't have to become friends, uh, and that's not what coaching is about either. But there does have to be a connection between you um, for that relationship to work. Because, like I say to my clients, ultimately you're going to share things with me that you might not share with your partner, and so on and so forth. Just because you're not comfortable doing that, but it is a space of, of vulnerability as well. And I don't know, you're probably the same with but when I contract with clients I, you know it's very clear with them about that kind of is about creating that space when they can be open and vulnerable and it's not about counseling i'm not a counselor i'm not a therapist but it's about in that coaching space there are undoubtedly going to be things that you share with me that is is, is really kind of makes you vulnerable as well and you know to do that you can't just do that with anyone can you you know going back to your blogs i don't want to be vulnerable with your blogs the only thing I was going to say, Mike, was I, I think I probably I do agree that it's, as I said, single session is key. Yeah, one session yeah. at a time. But but what I would say is I think what I, I found with I'm with the chemistry bit, yeah, I think there's sometimes there's a point of connection. I get people need a point of connection. But that doesn't need to be a long conversation. That could be quite short and mm. sweet, actually. Mm-hmm. But then I think the real test is do some work together. Do yeah. one session. Do one session. Yeah. No ties. Yeah. Let's do one session. Yeah. The coach knows why they're there and they're being paid to be there. So guess what? They're bringing yeah. the best game. You know yeah, why yeah, you're there yeah, yeah. and yeah. you know that yeah. that's it. And it's kind of like a yeah. first date. And if it works brilliantly and if it doesn't, yeah. so what? Yeah. Because I think there is sometimes a danger with the chemistry piece, if especially if it gets extended, is that we haven't got to the work. I might really like you, and then yeah. you start doing the work. And hold up a minute, this is not the same thing, is it? Whereas if we just no. do the work, we start. You know, you can see straight away, is this useful? Yes, this guy's a yeah. lovely guy, but he's a complete waste of space as a coach for me. <laughs> yeah, for example, yeah. I'm talking about me here, not you. But you know, but <laughs> a, rec- a recent client said. <laughs> I'm sure they didn't. <laughs> but I'm serious though, there's something really important about this because we can tiptoe around it, but ultimately the only way you'll ever know if a coaching relationship is to work is gonna work is by doing it's some coaching. To do it. It's to do it. 
No, I, I, I absolutely agree. And anyone that says it's going to take too long, I would get out of because actually yeah. you should no. be able to make impact straight away. And I just mean movement yeah. when I see impact because all yes. that matters is that you move. Because once you've started yeah. moving, rather like that, I love that analogy of the rock falling down the hill. You never yeah. know where it's going to go. But once it's moving, no. anything yeah. happens. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a really good analogy. And I think you're right. I think the, the, the chemistry is an important part of it. But it's not it's not the decider. It's, again, it's part of the process. And yeah. I, I really like that kind of – and I don't know about yourself, but, you know, say with myself, certainly with clients, it's kind of a, a, a kind of policy, for want of a better word, that um, if, if, if either me or the client at any point feels like it's not working out for whatever reason anyway, then anyone can walk away from that relationship at any point. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not bound in blood. You're not talking about that. You're talking about it's a relationship. And sometimes relationships come to an end naturally or whatever, or they're just, they're just it's not working yeah. out anymore. So you go your own separate ways. And that's the same with coaching, right? Coaching is a relationship. Yeah. So, you know, things things work out great, fantastic. You'll walk back, you'll walk some of that journey with that client, uh, and it's happy days. You, you're privileged to share that journey with them. But equally, knowing that we human beings, at some point, our paths might diverge and go off in different directions, and that's fine too. That's part of the process, right? Too right. I totally agree with you. Yeah, I'm just keeping an eye on time. I, we, I can't believe that we've almost like hit 50 <laughs> minutes. Already, I think we've, we've, we've covered quite a lot of things there, haven't we? When I just tried to kind of like summarize and think back to what we've covered, we've talked about kind of the neurodiversity space. We've talked about some of your journey that you were very kind enough to share with us, Nathan. We've talked about that in a wider context and also kind of like coaching and the, the neurodiversity space. I wonder in terms of obviously as we kind of come into the end of our time together today in this in this podcast recording, whether there might be any kind of things, any top sort of tips that you might share with any listeners who are kind of checking into this program, maybe for the first time, there might be regular listeners who uh, are in this space and, and maybe considering working with a coach that may be new to being neurodivergent and maybe kind of just identify with some of the traits or there might just be someone who's just listening in just with general curiosity. What sort of top tips would you give them in terms of the context of coaching and neurodiversity? Well, I think it's a very, very powerful way to work stuff out, but it is a tool in itself. It's a tool. And like all good tools, some of them work brilliantly in some spaces and don't work brilliantly in others. Um, I think yeah. about the adjustable spanner, you know, sometimes you need the exact yeah. right size socket. Sometimes an adjustable spanner yeah. will do it. And, and different coaches operate in different ways. Um, I'd encourage you to be open to it because I've worked with lots of people who were adamant it wasn't going to be useful, but I found it very useful. Yeah. And by the same token, I've worked with people who thought it was going to be useful and it hasn't been useful. So be open yeah. and yeah. work it out together. But as as yeah. you touched on, Mike, it's a relationship. And just because this is different and new, if you've not been coached before, it doesn't mean it's not like other relationships. So treat it like yeah. that. Go in with your eyes open. Um, the idea is that you and the coach work together so you can move forwards. And if you ever feel yes. at the time, that the coach is moving forwards and you're not, you need to have a conversation yeah. with them about that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just encourage you to try it. You know, this, I mean, if we think what coaching really fundamentally is, it's born out of the campfires where people sat around there probably before they had houses working stuff out. Mm. That's what this is mm. born out of. Yeah. The fact we've kind of given it some lovely labels and added long training courses to make people get there. Which we like to give things labels, as we know, especially in this space. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Doesn't mean that it hasn't been around since time after man. You know, so actually, <laughs> yeah, right. So this is, I think this is fun. To, I mean, we, I mean, I don't know how many of us don't need a good listening to once in a while. And that's what yeah. coaching really offers you. It's, it's a place to be heard and yes. to be seen so that you yeah. can work stuff out. And I think in a society yeah. where we are overweight on data and underweight on wisdom, yeah. it's one of yeah, the oh, like best that. ways to get some wisdom. <laughs> Especially That's about yourself. Prophetical um, way to kind of come <laughs> to close as well. And I, I often think of, um, and it's probably, again, it's not something I've come up with this term, but co- a good coach is a facilitator of thinking, right? That's what that's what a good coach is there to do. It's to facilitate the thinking for that yeah. person to help them work things out. And as you've touched on and said many times today, help move them forwards. That's That's what a good coach is there to do, right? But, do you want a book recommendation, Mike, or anything? Please, not please for our listeners as well. You know, yeah, a couple of books that people might be interested in. Yeah, so so if you're interested in the coaching space and want to know more, I cannot recommend a book more. That's 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 called Simplifying Coaching by Claire Pedrick. It's absolutely brilliant. She talks about how, with coaching particularly, how do we do the least possible in service of the thinker? And for me, that has really formulated the way I want to coach. I'm not saying I'm there, but it certainly got me thinking yeah. about it. So if you, if you want to play in this world or you are a coach that's playing in this world, I can't recommend that book enough. It's really interesting. And if you want to know more about that as well, um, Claire's got a podcast called The Coaching In where she talks to loads of people around the subject as well. But that's not to take away from what Mike's doing here, which is also fantastic. But just there's there's more in this space as well to listen to if you're interested. Oh, it's, it's a vast space. You know, the more that yeah. we think we know, we realise we don't know, just to keep going back yeah. to that point as well. But if you share with us any kind of like links and things and also share with us any kind of uh, links to those podcasts, those books, those resources, one book I'd recommend to anyone, again, interested in this space is uh, and I, I think it was a game changer for me, and I really kind of got into this uh, this guy and become an ad- adamant follower of his. Now is is the coaching habit, and that's by uh, a guy called Michael Bungay Stanier. Um, and you can look; he's, he's he's got great TED talks on on YouTube about the advice monster. Uh, he's got a few good books out, but the coaching habit is is it's a real easy read, and it simplifies coaching down to seven essential questions. And for me, that was a, a real kind of game changer for me uh, and recommend that. And I'll, again, I'll post um, notes to the book and to the YouTube video as well. But finally, Nathan, before we kind of wrap up um, the show, which has been fantastic, thank you so much for your contributions today and for sharing everything that you've shared with with myself and with our listeners today. It's been a really insightful and great conversation. Oh, um, thank you for having me, Michael. I've really appreciate it. It's no, it's been an absolute pleasure. How can people who are listening kind of connect with you and find out more about you? How do you go about doing that? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, like the rest of the world. Hopefully, you're there as well. If not, I've also got a website called the. I mean, it's basically it's the www.theneurodivergentcoach.co.uk. You so I, I try and blog fairly regularly and just. And also got a newsletter that you can sign up for there as well. Um, just so, and what I'd say was if you've got any questions or anything that's come out of this, there is no stupid questions. Please feel free no. to ask. I can always say those immortal words I don't know. But generally, <laughs> I'm interested enough to want to go and find out. So please yeah. don't be alone if, you, if you've got any concerns. I think 
one of the other things I know we haven't mentioned here, but I just encourage you to find your tribe in this as well. Yeah, yeah, good, good shout, good shout. Because there's something about walking with others in this space where yeah. it's the recognition of, especially when people have gone before you or maybe a little bit behind you in, in working all yeah. this stuff out, it suddenly normalizes stuff that doesn't feel as normal as it should do. Yeah, that's an absolutely fantastic shout out to uh, to end the podcast, um, Nathan. And uh, yeah, once again, thank you so much for being our guest, and we'll we'll endeavour to share all the links and resources in 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 the in the post show notes as well. But yeah, finally, on on behalf of myself and our listeners, thank you so much, Nathan. Nathan's a fantastic coach. I can't recommend him highly enough. He does fantastic work in this space. So uh, yeah, I'd highly recommend him. And please feel free to to contact him and share his details. And yeah. Once again, thank you so much for listening and uh, see you on the next podcast. Take care and stay safe. Bye for now. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening to the podcast today. And special thank you to our, our special guest today on the podcast. Really appreciate your, you sharing your, your story and your lived experience. Um, listen, if you're enjoying the show, um, then please be sure to rate us on your podcast player of choice because it really helps to kind of get our, 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 our ratings up there and get out there to more listeners to, to the show. So please do rate us and share and subscribe to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about what, what my business does and how I can help you as a leader and as an organization around neurodiversity in the workplace and building truly neuroinclusive workplace cultures, then check out my website, www.bebrilliantpeople.com. There's lots of information on there, tools, resources, and how you can contact me. But that's it for now. Thanks for listening, and please join us again soon. Take care.